Welcome to Between a Talk and a Hard Place, a podcast for women bringing you down-to-earth conversations about the realities of our real-life experiences. I'm your host, Lisette McKenzie, author, life and mindset transformation coach, and self-concept connoisseur. And together with my girls, Alicia and Matera, we'll be discussing everything from situations to situationships and the challenges women face every day as we navigate this thing called life. Hey ladies, welcome back to another episode of Between a Talk and a Hard Place. So listen, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And I want to do my part not only in raising awareness, but also sharing my experience in hopes of making a connection with other women who are afraid or embarrassed to share theirs. So the title of this episode is called Making Peace with Broken Pieces which is also the title of a book that I wrote after I decided to remove myself from a super toxic, super abusive relationship as a part of my self-assigned therapeutic journey to healing. The book is available on Amazon and my website, www.lifelessonsandlovesessions.com, and I'll drop the links in the episode for you to check it out. Now, I wasn't sure which conversational direction I wanted to take with this episode, Because when you're speaking about relationship trauma and abuse, there are probably a legion of bullet points that you can list, but the focus tends to hover over the actions of the abuser or the endless uncouth questions and statements directed towards and about the victim. So after much contemplation and weighing of options, I decided that I wanted to talk about me, not in a vain way, but in a functional way. I didn't want to start with how someone else treated me bad and caused me so much trauma. That was way too easy, and we hear it all the time in these situations, and rightfully so. I don't want to and won't downplay that at all. This is not about victim shaming or blaming, and I do acknowledge that bad things happen to good people no matter how righteous their intentions are. This is about self-awareness and understanding. And what better way to strike up a conversation than by using examples from firsthand experiences? I want to start emphasizing how we sometimes show up in relationships that break us down and how important it is to channel awareness of self to help nourish the healing journey. So once upon a time, yours truly committed myself to a situation that wasn't pretty no matter which angle you looked at it from. Now, before I go any further, I think it's important to disclaim that not everyone's situation will look the same. Abuse can take many forms and the reactions to it are not collective in nature. Every individual may experience a different variation and intensity and may interpret and react in a way that is unique to them. My experience was just that, my experience. Now, I'm not going to detail any of the violence that occurred in that relationship. I pinned that in the pages of my book. But I do want to talk about making peace with the pain that should have been love and more specifically self-love. As a young girl, I was a rebel to the cause. I wasn't giving up. I was going to prove that I could withstand any challenge that came my way. I was possessive, so what's mine was mine and I was gonna keep it no matter what. I wanted what I wanted, even if it wasn't right for me, and especially if it wasn't right for me. 
I was nurturing, and when I genuinely liked you, I was loyal to caring for and protecting you with no hesitation. I didn't want to see you hurt because I felt the pain too. And most of all, I wasn't going down as a quitter. But while I was so busy trying to build up everyone else, I didn't take the time to apply any of those bricks to myself. I paid close attention to the beauties and similarities of everything else and constantly compared it to the underdeveloped, uncared for parts of me. I never considered the fact that the energy I was giving out was energy that could have gone towards myself, and I assumed that what I was lacking could be given to me from someone else. I was full of insecurities that no one really knew I had. I spent so much time thinking about how ugly I was, how fat I was, how I wished my teeth didn't have gaps, how I wished my skin was lighter and my hair was straighter, how I wished I could do this, that, or the next thing. Instead of just being who I was and acknowledging all of the outstanding characteristics and accomplishments that I personified every single day, simply because I didn't see anything special about me. So me and my great attributes, along with my insecurities, entered into a relationship at the age of 16 with someone I knew from the outside looking in. But when I got on the inside, I was sideswiped by how drastically different what I thought I knew turned out to be. But me being me, thought I could work with it and fix it because I knew what the secret ingredients were. Love, patience, understanding, and consistency. I was absolutely right about the wrong thing. My love, patience, understanding, and consistency weren't guaranteed to fix anything but myself. But I wasn't ready to have that conversation. So yeah, the relationship I had with him was bad, but it was the relationship or lack thereof that I had with myself that made the situation so much more tragic. As much as I boasted on not being a quitter, it turned out that that wasn't exactly the truth at all. I gave up a lot, and it was mostly on myself. I can't tell you how many times I questioned the feelings I had and the events that caused them, but I can tell you that the repetition of it all became my comfort zone. There's a saying that goes, the devil that you know is better than the devil that you don't know. This relationship became the devil that I knew and I clung to it. Having a relationship with myself was the devil that I didn't know, so I ran. I ran from my flaws and my authenticities. So there was nothing about me that I could acknowledge that was worthy of praise and worship and love. And there was almost nothing that I couldn't find that wasn't worthy of critique, comparison, and dislike. Eventually, I had to force myself to come to terms with the irrational way I viewed myself because it was influencing the behaviors I was willing to overlook, tolerate, and make excuses for. Think about it. If you're always criticizing yourself, when will you ever do anything right? And if you can't do anything right, you probably deserve that bad thing that happened to you because there's no way you deserve anything better. That kind of thinking keeps you in dark places. I needed to make peace with myself. I needed to call a ceasefire between my thoughts and my actions and accept who I was, what was real and present, and acknowledge 
that while it may not all be peaches and cream, it wasn't condemning either. And I had options to make it better. I had to embark on a journey of self-discovery and development to counteract the downward spiral of emotional turmoil, physical distress, and false narratives that I had concocted and allowed to supersede my logic and convince me that I was never quite good enough, never quite worthy, and kept me in a state of self-doubt. I had to decide that I needed to reverse the mindset that told me I needed to work harder for approval each time bad love rejected me. And worst of all, I had to fight back for what was fighting against me. I had to reverse the mindset that told me it was because of some of the aspects of me, any one of those things that I couldn't accept about myself, that these terrible things were happening. In my book, I wrote, acceptance is not a Mr. Potato Head. You can't mix and match parts of fact with pieces of fiction to build your perfect life, at least not in the real world. In a fairy tale, you can kiss a frog and it will turn into a prince. In the real world, when you kiss a frog, you're just a weird frog kisser. Acceptance is hard and sometimes it hurts, but you can't succeed without it. You can't achieve if you choose to believe in an alternative reality that is not suited for you. I know because I tried. My Mr. Potato Head was hideous. It was a hot mess. Nothing matched and nothing fit. I dressed it up like a baby with a face only a mother could love. I pretended everything that was all wrong was all right. I adopted the belief that all that I was was all that I deserved to be. That was definitely not a winning mindset. I managed my life with a tough, anti-self-love governing hand that didn't leave room for correction. I lived under the guise that the decisions I made were the choices I had to live with. In my mind, there was no such thing as a second chance, at least not for me. But oddly enough, I gave my mistakes an unlimited supply of them. Those mistakes eventually became conditioned choices that locked me into so many memories of past and expectations of future unfavorable experiences. Memories of bad experiences can drag you down like emotional quicksand. They're enablers of stagnation and sorrow and pain and the blocker of all joy. And it's understandable that you may want to ignore those memories and forget those experiences but that doesn't undo them, and it definitely doesn't allow you to heal. Sometimes you have to sit in that pain for a little while and acknowledge it for what it is. You have to get tired of it. You have to get to the point where you say enough is enough and know that you're worth more and deserving of more so you can start healing. But you have to get yourself there. No one can do it for you. That type of healing can't happen on anyone's clock but your own. Oh, and let me tell you about that clock. It will start, stop, go forward, and go backward as often as you do. If the clock keeps stopping or going back, your healing will never be complete. In fact, your pain will keep collecting interest whether you pay up or not until you've settled that debt. That's exactly what lingering past hurt is, unsettled debt that you don't want. 
I can't stress enough how important it is for you to know your value and know your worth. When you walk into a restaurant, you have a preconceived notion of what you expect from them. If the food is not to your liking and on top of that, the customer service is worse than the food, how likely are you to return? If you were in a forgiving mood and decided to give them a second chance and it was still horrible, would you waste your time, money, or taste buds on them again? Of course not. I think you will find some place that took their hospitality niche very serious. Your expectations in a relationship should not be any different but you have to set the stage. You have to know your values in order to articulate your worth. The mistake many of us make is misinterpreting the values we actually have with those that others want us to have. It's okay for someone to desire a specific set of values in a person, but if that person is not you, then it's just not you and vice versa. You set your worth by being true to who you are consistently and accepting nothing less. You don't go on sale. You're not a red dot special. Of course, values change over time, but your values need to change because you change, not because the people around you do. It's not uncommon to not have full clarity of what your values consist of. I never even thought about my values until I recognized that I was always being handed the gooey end of the doodle stick. However, now that you're aware that some calculations are a bit off, I encourage you to take some time to think about what means the most to you without compromise. Your values are your truth. They are what you own up to and what you expect to be honored. Keep the conversation going. Join the Facebook group Between a Talk and a Hard Place and share your thoughts about this week's episode.